There is no amount of success in the world that will make up for failure in your home. There are so many great leaders who are winning at work, but they're struggling at home. And today we're going to talk about four strategies to win at home. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Echo Leadership Podcast, where we are passionate about growing as leaders and and growing together. My name is David. I'm one of your hosts. and I'm here with Andy Wood. And Andy, we've got a great topic in this episode today. Yeah, we're going to talk about how do you win at home. Which is not something that everybody thinks about with their leadership, but is absolutely crucial. Yeah, I'm excited about, about this one. Absolutely. So hey, before we jump in, we've got some exciting news coming up, right? Yep. So coming up, this May, May 19th, 2022, is one of the greatest events that I've ever heard of. Yes, it is the second annual Echo Leadership Conference. Yes, happening right here in the Bay Area in San Jose. Andy, can you talk a little bit about the vision of why we're even doing this conference? Yeah, last year we kicked this off and uh, it was kind of coming out of COVID and lockdown And it was unbelievable to have leaders gathered in the room. There's something powerful about being around other people who are on a similar journey, similar struggles, challenges, and being together to be inspired. So we're going to have some great content. Uh, Most importantly, we're going to be inspired to lead better. We're going to hear from some phenomenal communicators. Uh, Louis Giglio, who's the pastor of Passion City Church and the leader of the Passion Movement. If you've ever heard uh, music by Passion Worship, uh, he he and his wife Shelly have kind of led the charge on that. They gather together with literally tens of thousands of college students across the country every year. Uh, Stacy and I have been impacted by them, and so we're pumped about having them. We've got uh, Grant Skeldon back. He is uh, one of our favorite experts on reaching and connecting with Generation Z. Uh, we have Hosanna Wong, who's going to be with us. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be a phenomenal day. I also heard there's a great speaker named Andy Wood who's going to be around. So um, Yeah, they're, they're awesome. letting me speak this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can't wait. And I think what's so great about this is we've been talking about, even with the heart of this podcast, is to form a collective of leaders yes. who can come together to help encourage and make one another better, especially we're, we're right here in the heart of the Silicon Valley, and this is a unique area to lead. Right Now, I know we have people joining us from all around the country, which shout out, by the way, I was looking at some of our recent um, listens, and there's a group in Ohio who is listening to us. So Ohio, we welcome you to the Echo Leadership Podcast, and you can come join us for the conference. So Here's how people can join. Okay, that's awesome. That. I had a another one of my friends, uh, Brandon, from Tampa, Florida, sent me a message, and he said he had been gathering with a group of pastors, and they showed the Echo Leadership podcast. So it's it's awesome to see the, the community growing. The other thing I want to say about coming together, you know, we love content online, YouTube podcast. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Uh, and we should listen and we should watch and take our teams through that. But there is something about being in a room together yes. yeah. that it's a, an experience, a moment that impacts us. And I'm I'm really excited to see what's going to happen as we gather together this May. That's awesome. So let me tell you how you can be here to join us. The date is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. The way that you can sign up is go to echoleadership.org. That's echoleadership.org. You'll see all the information on the conference and you can sign up right there. In fact, we have group rates so you can bring your team and we highly recommend bringing a team. Things are so much better when you bring your team to things like this. And because you are 
an Echo Leadership Podcast listener. We want to give you a special promo code ELP10. That's ELP10. And that is going to take $10 off the, the registration price at the time that you register. So be sure you join us. Awesome. So Andy, let's jump into today about winning at home. Yeah, let me share a little bit of the tension on this or maybe the problem that I see in a lot of conversations I have with leaders. You know, it's it's interesting. So much of the conversation around leadership is focused on how do we win at work? Mm-hmm. Now, how do we get better dealing with conflict? How do we get better at casting vision? How do we get better at forming and leading teams? Uh, but so often our attention, as it's as it should be, to, to get better as a leader at the place of where we work, uh, there can be an inattention to our home life. And this is true for people who are married and have kids. Uh, there are a lot of people that they, they know how better to lead a meeting than they know how to lead their spouse or, or lead their children. And this is problematic. You know, we get down the road 15, 20 years from now. And like we said in the intro, there's no amount of success in the world that will make up for failure in our homes. And this is not just true for married people or people with kids. This is also true for singles. You know, you see a lot of people that they're winning at work, but their personal lives are a mess. Mm -hmm. And so we want to talk about how do we actually win at home and get better in the places that really do matter the most. Yeah, I think what's interesting, one thing that you said, maybe some of our listeners heard right there, is you said we get better at leading meetings at work Mm -hmm. and leadership there. But there's a lot of these principles that we can take from our leadership and work to help be healthy in our home yep. as well. Yeah. And let me ask you a couple of questions on this. Cause I think there's probably some leaders who can relate. You're, uh, if you, if anybody who knows you knows you're a pretty driven guy, mm-hmm. you have an intensity about you. Um, and I think a lot of times that drive is towards progress, especially right. towards work. Mm-hmm. So how is it like, usually when the focus is there, mm-hmm. identity is there, What's helping you in this tension to kind of say, oh, I got to pull this back? Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? It, yeah, it's great. You know, part of uh, what I think has happened for me is being around some of my mentors who are now transitioning, for lack of better words, they're retiring or they're going on to the next phase of their life. And th- there's almost like two different groups of people. Like there's some that their kids and their grandkids, they want to be around them. They want to spend time together. And then there's some people that maybe they've been a great leader, but the their personal lives are, are a mess and their kids and grandkids don't want to have anything to do with them. Mm-hmm. And I look at that and I'm like, well, I certainly don't want to be the one that when I get down the road, my relationship with my kids is strained. That Again, there's no amount of success in the world that will make up for that failure to mm-hmm. me. And so seeing the end and looking backwards motivates me. And then the other part of this that that's been helpful is to realize that it's not a you don't have to choose one or the other. You know, yeah. it's not like you have to be great at work or great at home. You can be great at work and great at home. It's just that you have to prioritize one. And mm. if you're not willing to prioritize home, eventually that, that's going to fall apart. So I think you know we're going to jump into some real practical pieces, but there's a there's a why that's really important to grab before we jump to just the practical. So for you. Uh, you talk about you sought out mentors, you saw their lives right. now that are doing similar roles to you. They were great leaders now where they're at. Was there a part in you that like from your home life or like growing up that made you seek out like this is the direction I want to go? Because there's a lot of leaders, maybe even listening right now, that they didn't have a great example growing up mm-hmm. about how to win at home mm-hmm. or what that even looks like. So this may be something they see, but don't know how to get to because they've never experienced it. 
Yeah, I certainly would say that, you know, both of my parents have been faithful and invested in my life. That that plays into it. And then just, you know, throughout the journey, seeing a lot of, like you said, a lot of different examples of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, uh, my faith and being a follower of Jesus and and seeing what he teaches, especially, you know, he he says, what what does it gain a person to, what does it profit a person to gain the whole world, but to forfeit or lose their soul? And I'm, I am personally very motivated by not having deep regrets. Um, the pain of regret is one of the deepest forms of pain. And so I, I want to make choices that when mm. I get down the road, I don't look back with deep regrets. That right there, that pain of regrets, that's a great thing for somebody to hold on to as we jump into this conversation. So let's keep moving forward. Let's do it. Um, so what kind of come into... What does it look like to be intentional in your home? Uh, I picked up a book last fall called The Intentional Father by John Tyson, and it's written to dads about how to raise sons. But there was a concept, the whole book is one of the best books I've ever read on parenting, but there's a concept in there, and he talks about the difference between being involved and being intentional. And when I saw that, I, I sat down with my kids and Stacy at the dinner table, and I said, okay, I want you to tell me of, of these types of dads and one was involved and one was intentional, what would you, what would you call me? Would you call me involved or intentional? And I got like a 50, 50 split, you know, a couple of my kids said intentional, one said involved and, but there was like a, there was a split and I'm like, okay, I want all of my kids to say my dad is or was intentional. Mm. So the shift for me over the last few months has been, how do I, how do I get increasingly intentional with what I do at home? And the challenge with intention, intention is different than intent. Intent is just desire. Intention is intent with some work. So intention takes work. It takes planning. It takes focus. Uh, it takes some some money. It takes mm-hmm. some time. Mm-hmm. And in addition to that, it doesn't happen immediately, right? So some of the greatest things in life, they, they take lo- a long time to bear fruit. So you can, you can feel like you're not making quite as much progress. At work, you, you know, you... Kind of back to the whole Andy Stanley choosing to cheat. You have to sometimes make a choice whether you're going to cheat at home or cheat at work. And when you cheat at work, you see immediately the fruit of it. But when you cheat at home, you you don't see it as quickly. Mm. So we have to make a choice. We're going to stay faithful with some things that might take decades to see fruit. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Cause I, I like that at home, you may not see it till later. Yeah. And I know you recently wrote a letter to yourself yeah. as an older self, right? Yes, yeah. How, how does that shape into the vision of this intentional for you? Yeah, I, I wrote a, so I went, um, I did, did this leadership roundtable with a mentor and some other pastors uh, in December of 2021. And to be totally transparent, I was probably at the lowest, mid-November, probably one of the lowest, most exhausted places I've ever remember being in leadership, struggling with confidence, uh, it, you know, exhausted. And it, for me, that was probably the closest I've ever been to like, you know, I just, uh, I want to do something else. I want to cut grass. I want to, you know, I want to sell insurance. I want to do something else. Uh, but at this event, I, I felt like on the way home, I was flying and I just had this, this tug. And I, th- I do think, you know, based on my faith, I think it was the Holy Spirit uh, to write a letter to myself at 65. And so if I were going to look at me, 65, from, from myself to myself, yeah. 65 to 40, what would I say to me? So how, how would I see 
my life from 65. And I, I went through the whole gamut. I went through the gamut of family and physical health and mm. marriage and parenting. And, and I just, that was a real good marker for me. Like there's some choices I need to make right now that are commitments yeah. to put a stake in the ground around some things that maybe over the last couple of years have been harder for me to give my attention and intention to. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I think there's something about that vision, even mm-hmm. for leaders today. Like if you think about if you've got younger kids when they're 30, how will they talk about you? Yeah. And what kind of relationship do you want to have? And there's something about playing that out that really shapes into the heart of what we're trying to get into today. Yeah. I would say before we get practical of all the episodes that we've ever done on the Echo Leadership Podcast, this may be the most important one that mm. we've ever done. And for somebody today, this this little conversation that we have that is about 30 minutes long could be the difference between you getting to the end of your life and looking back with a with a deep sense of satisfaction versus getting to the end of your life with a deep sense of regret. Mm. All right. With that, let's jump in, man. All right. So I got four four big ideas, um, and these are just basically what what we can do practically to become more intentional. And the first of these is to craft intentional moments. Uh, I love this quote from Chip, Chip Heath, The Power of Moments. He says, in life, we can work so hard to get the kinks out of out that we forget to put the peaks in. Let me read it one more time. He says, in life, we can work so hard to get the kinks out that we forget to put the peaks in. I think that's for all the perfectionists right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could say that as one of those. Yes. That was really good. Yeah. So the, the, the idea here is that so much of intentionality is saying, okay, how can I craft, craft and create moments in my family um, and in my most important relationships that they remember for a really long period of time to come? Mm-hmm. A couple examples of these would be my son, Sammy, turned 13, and you were a part of this. We did a a manhood celebration to commemorate or mark moving from a ch- being a child to being a man. And we had some good friends there, uh, men who spoke into his life. We, mm-hmm. we did this with some other uh, men from our church with their sons. We did challenges that stretched them. He had to go into the ocean uh, <laughs> at, at night, night, with, at with night. two other kids. Yeah. And when we were done, like I asked him, what, like, what do you remember the most? He's like getting in the ocean. And it was the thing that challenged him the most. But why that's important is because it, it gives a line in the sand for him. And now my relationship with him is shifting. It's like mm-hmm. he was a boy, he's becoming a man, and I'm calling him up to be a man. This is what a man does. This is what a man yeah. of God, this is who a man of God is. And that, that shift in the relationship is marked with that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, she, she turned eight last fall. And I had the idea, I was like, well, for her birthday, we go, we have dates every Wednesday night. Um, my wife, Stacy and the kids, the, the two, my two older ones, uh, they're at students for our church. And so I do date nights with Karis, but I'm like, okay, for her birthday, we're going to do something special. So I called Magianos. Uh, I made a reservation and I just said to her, Hey, we're your, we're something really nice. So she gets all fixed up. She gets a dress on, you know, she does her little, her little eight-year-old makeup and, um, and then on the way home, I swing by, I get her some flowers. And, uh, in addition to the flowers, I put on one of my nicer suits. I should say my only Your suit. Your only suit. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was cool though. Cause like going into Magianos, the, it, it was clear that the people noticed, like 
here's a dad with his daughter. Mm-hmm. And what I'm doing for her in that is that I'm saying, okay, this is how a man treats a woman. Yeah. This is how you, when you, when it's time for you to date, uh, she's going to look for somebody who treated her the way her yeah. dad treated her. Yeah. And so that, that's a, that moment shapes her as a human. That's really good. What is it that you, is there anything you had to do on the front end, right? So, you know, you wrote the letter to yourself, charting that kind of end goal uh-huh. that's helping you come back and unpack these moments. So the idea of how do you reverse engineer it? Is that- yeah. Is that like, how are you kind of leading into this? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, if you look, okay, so let's just say, let's take that whole example, 65 to 40. Mm-hmm. You could play that out 10 years, 20 years down the road as well. Like there, there's a power in just re- looking from the future back because you see things differently. So today gets more clear when we see today from tomorrow. Yeah. And if I say, okay, my kids right now at recording are 15, 13, and eight. 10 years from now, they'll be 25, 23, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And there will be things that are happening when they're those ages. You know, maybe maybe one of them will be getting married. I, I highly doubt my son will be getting married at 25. <laughs> maybe he will. Um, but my daughter will be graduating from high school. My uh, Sammy, my middle son, will be in college. So all the all of that, it's like, okay, well, what, what do I want to mark them? Like when he's mm-hmm. leaving to go away to school, there, there are things that I want him to know and have experienced and conversations I've wanted him to will want, have wanted to have with him. So I, I would say all of that is like, how do I, you know, the world, culture, and media mm-hmm. is working so hard to grab the attention of our kids. So I have to work that much harder to overcome all the voices that they're that they're getting. Mm. And when I think, okay, well, how do I, if I just preach at them all the time, I'm not, they're, they're not going to, li- they're going to tune me out. Yeah. But if I craft moments and experiences and leverage creativity to influence them, then I'm so much more likely to make an impact yeah. on their lives. That's good. And I know one of the things that stood out earlier when we were talking together is you made the comment, you said, I want my kids when they grow up to still want to hang out with me. Yeah. And I think that's the power where these power of moments come in is you're creating core memories, you're creating bonds, you're, you know, fun, right. time together, um, you know, laughter, experience, all these things create that relationship that when you get older, like you were saying, you're like, I want them to go, hey, I want to go do this. I'm gonna, I want to go do that with my dad. Yeah. And this is what helps shape those times. Yeah. Like they're, when they're 25 years old, they're going to, you know, maybe my, my sons will want to go hunting or fishing or, you know, skiing or uh, riding ATVs. Yeah. I, I want them to think if I'm doing that, I want to do it with my dad. Yeah. And if I don't do it now, yeah. they're not going to want to do it later. That's really good. So we need to give intentional thought mm-hmm. to creating these moments. I, I would even say for some of our listeners, if they are, there's some that, don't have kids yet. Maybe they're married, don't have kids. They're single. We talked a lot about this, but I think even the intentionality when you're single to think about when you start dating, when you get married, right? like the more intentional you are earlier on, it's like compounding interest Mm -hmm. in this area. Yeah. The other aspect of this that is very important is the relationship. You know, if our parents are alive, if your parents are alive is Mm. the kind of relationship you have with your parents and your siblings, 
it's it's virtually impossible for the residual of that to not carry over into your relationships with your spouse and your kids. Hmm. And so when you're single, you have more margin to be able to do some things to invest in those relationships as well. That's really good. Power moment right there. That's the se- really good. second one is uh, to develop intentional habits. And uh, David, we, I don't, I can't remember if we've ever talked about this in the podcast, but uh, maybe like almost 10 years ago now, we hired a trainer. Yeah. And uh, this lady who is a part of our, our church here, her name was Shelly. Yep. And we would meet up with her and she said something that really shifted my perspective. And she said, so often we focus on trying to get rid of the bad rather than putting in the good. Mm-hmm. And what I love about creating habits or developing intentional habits is you're saying, okay, I'm going to put the right stuff in. And if I put the right stuff in, it'll start to squeeze the wrong stuff out. Yes. And so I, I want to figure out what are some core habits that help me win at home. So I've broken down, uh, and this is with help of a mentor and a coach, is four key areas, spiritual, relational, physical, and vocational. And I have a few core habits. And what I like is just to say, what are one to two habits in each of those areas at any given time? that I can put into place that will help me win. Mm-hmm. And just like an athlete puts habits into place to win, I want to put habits in place to win in those key areas. Yeah. And you're also, I think on the relational, uh, you know, because while we're talking about winning at home, yeah, you are also focusing on some key habits with your family. Yeah. So some of those played into your power of moments, but unpack some other yeah. at home habits that are helping you too. And I, yeah. And I, when I, when I share these, it's, it's, uh, descriptive, not prescriptive. Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. want I don't want my habits to feel like a a heavy weight that somebody has to put on. But it it sometimes it does help to hear like oh somebody else is doing that and it gives you ideas. Uh, so I'll just kind of run the gamut. I've talked about Wednesday nights. It's really simple and you know it's set in now every Wednesday night. My daughter Karis and I we have a date. It's very natural. The the boys are gone. Stacy's gone, and it's just the two of us. And so we're loving that time. Uh, on Friday mornings or Saturday mornings, I'm taking my boys through a book. Uh, they're not super motivated by it um, in the sense of like, there's a whole lot of goofiness and laughter as we're talking about the content in the book. But I'm just trying to make it fun. You know, like we went to last time we went to Jamba Juice and then we're, we're going through a book called The Compound Effect. Fantastic together. book, especially on habits. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I, I marked out 10 books that I, and they're not all faith books. They're, some of them are growth yeah. books. Some of them are finance. I wanted to, you know, one of them is rich dad, poor dad. So I said to my sons, I said, okay, let's, let's go through these books together. And every time we finish a book, I'll take you, we'll do something together. So we'll, you know, I have in mind like things like Top Golf and, you know, driving ATVs or, you know, ax throwing, but each time we'll do a moment together. So, you know, Fridays or Saturdays, depending on their sports schedule in the morning, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Stacy and I right now in this season to date once a week is challenging. So we're, we're focused on two times a month. Uh, and that's just the two of us two times a month. So the, like, these are three big habits. We have, a, we spend a day once a week that is our Sabbath day or our day of rest from Friday night to Saturday night. We do a family night on Friday night, watch a movie together. So all of those, they're, they're consistent. And when it's kind of established in your schedule, you, it doesn't take as much energy to do it. Like you're, you you just, you, you build out a routine. I love this quote from um, the power of habit by James Clear. He said that motivation is overrated 
So sometimes we get ourselves really excited and pumped up. Oh, I, I want to change. I want to grow. I want to change. But if we would leverage our energy to focus on a habit that produces change, we'll get a lot more traction. So maybe in this in this um, focus area right here or strategy for our leaders, it's just just start with one or two habits at home. Yep. That you can just implement in. Uh, so don't worry about the output. Like I got to change this. Just put in something that's going to change it, and just yeah. start. Just stick with it, right? Yeah, and be consistent. Yeah, consistency will make the impact over the time. So, yeah, it. and it, it, you know, it, it seems like oh man, it should be so much more emotional. It should be so much more climactic. But it's, I mean, the, it's the faithful, steady it's, plotting. That it's gets blocking the, and tackling, man. Yeah. It's, it's just what moves the ball down the field. Yeah, and we think like this at work. We think like this in business. Yeah. So it's just taking that same effective thinking and applying it to the most important part of our lives. That's really good. So we want to develop some habits, intentional habits. Yep. So we've got Let's... craft intentional moments, develop intentional habits. And then three is to cultivate intentional accountability. And sometimes you got to get creative with your verbs. You got craft, develop, cultivate. They're all basically the same thing, but we're making it stick. That's right. So uh, developing intentional accountability. Uh, what I have noticed that is that the most disciplined people uh, the sharpest, hardest working people on the planet, they do better when they have accountability. Mm. And I don't mean like, okay, you got to have a, a guy or a gal in your life that you meet with every week for two hours and confess all your sins. It's just like somebody that you're, these are my commitments. And then there's, there's a reckoning on those commitments on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And the, the way this works for me is I have a scorecard. And on my scorecard, I have mapped out my habits and then I just track those habits. So if I keep the habit, I write down yes or no. And then by Friday at 5 p.m., I send that in. And then there is there is an accountability on that. We're going to talk about if I didn't get it, why didn't I get it? And uh, and these are the commitments that I've chosen to help me get better. Hmm. And as I've been doing this, like there's some things that it's like, okay, well, I'm, I may need to shift some of that. It's not a straitjacket. It's not uh, a law, but it's a discipline to help me get to where I want to go. And I'll give you an example of these. One of these on the personal level is I want to spend an hour a day in, in the morning and in, in time of prayer and reading the Bible. Well, there's some days like, you know, I get up, make my coffee, and maybe by the time I'm done, it's a 45-minute deal. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I need to adjust that goal mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, every every day an hour is tough, but I'm maybe I'm doing more than I did before. Yeah, yeah. What What do you think prevents a lot of leaders from seeking out or getting accountability, in, especially in areas like this? I would say that the biggest, the biggest core issue is that we, we too closely connect our identity to our performance. So mm -hmm. our, like what, we, what we produce is so intrinsically connected to how I see myself as a person. So we go backwards instead of going the opposite direction. So it's, we don't work for identity, we work from identity. So the more secure I am and the more clear I am in, in who I want to be, who God wants me to be, yeah. then, I, then I flow from that rather than the opposite direction. So if I do something, like let's say that I struggle with a habit and I don't hit my goal, that's not, that, that's not saying, oh, you're not this person. Actually... I am that person, and because I'm that person, I'm going to keep getting better. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say that it's uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable, 
And if we're not secure, then when somebody is like holding you accountable, you're like, well, you know, who do you think you are? You yeah. you struggle with the same things versus like, no, I want to get better. Yeah. And this person is helping me do the thing that I've already said I want to do. Yeah. Because no matter where we are, we can always get better. I yep. think that's a piece to it. So when when one of our leaders is like, you know what? This is this is true. This is speaking to me. They hold, you know, we hold people accountable at work all the time. Like you didn't deliver hopefully. a project. You, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> you know what's interesting is we were just in a meeting and we heard that accountability is one of the greatest struggles across all organizations. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. And so this isn't a growth theory. So if a leader's sitting here saying, okay, I need this in my life, how would you encourage them at finding the right person? So especially for, I'm thinking of like a point leader, business yeah. owner, entrepreneur, you know, lead pastor, they may be looking around and going, I don't really have anybody right here. Yeah. Who do they go to? It needs to be somebody who is in and of themselves um, very secure and they're not worried about getting your approval. And they need to have freedom to challenge you without any retribution from you. Yeah. And then uh, I would say that they probably need to be somebody who's really good at keeping their commitments themselves. <laughs> that that would matter. Because it's hard to respect somebody who's not keeping their own commitments. Now, it doesn't have to be the same thing you're committed to, but they're a person yeah. who's faithful. Uh, and I would say that there there are some people that really do struggle like we we talk about you know grace and truth in conversations yeah and some people have a natural tendency towards truth and some people have a natural tendency towards grace and then there are some people over time that mature and they become ambidextrous and they 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 learn over time to be grace and truth so i would want somebody who is grace and truth i wouldn't i wouldn't want to forget or negate either of those yeah you need somebody to say i understand yeah. but we can do better yeah yeah yeah, that's good. So we want to cultivate intentional accountability. Anything else on that before we move to number four? Uh, I would say sometimes you have to pay somebody to to help you. You know, yeah. like if you go to, this is true, like if you hire a trainer, you're, yeah. you're much more likely to be committed if you have a trainer that's holding you accountable. You're also much more likely to be committed when you put money into it. Yeah, yep. It's another thing. Yep, so if I want to make progress, what's the value of that progress? Yeah. And am I willing to sacrifice and invest in yes maybe maybe that's like if i'm not if i'm not willing to put some money behind it and my time it's not really a priority yeah i agree it's good all right last one you ready oh let me say one more thing on this too um one concept that was has been super helpful for me is the difference between a scoreboard and a scorecard Mm -hmm. and so that like this thing that i put together on the scorecard that it's leading me towards the scoreboard and so the scoreboard is the fruit. The scorecard is, you know, the, the watering schedule and both are, both are important. Um, but if I'm, if I'm obsessed about the end product, but not the process, um, I can deviate from the process that produces the product. That's really good. So the, the scorecard helps me consistently. Now you, you can get legalistic about a scorecard and that can become your measure of success. And that's problematic. Yeah. So like I, my personality, I'm, I, I like to change things and I, it just doesn't, uh, it, that's not my struggle, but maybe that is somebody's struggle if they're yeah. very perfectionistic. But I would say the scorecard is, is not the law. It's a process to help you get what you want. Mm-hmm. So create a process and stick to it and hold yourself to it. And then if you need to change the process to help you be more successful, change the process. 
Yeah, absolutely. That, that's where there's a great book, Your Life in Rhythm, uh-huh. comes in. When he's like in different seasons, you got to release expectations, you got to seize opportunities because things change. So flexibility versus rigidity is going to help a lot there. Yep. That's good. good. All right. Last one is to craft intentional feedback. And the people who have the ability to help us grow the most are often the ones that are closest to us. Mm -hmm. You can get more out of one conversation with somebody who's observing you than 10 books. And so I, I like to leverage feedback to help me find areas in my life that I need to get better. And in particular, like that conversation, um, I'll give you an example of this. Stacey and I were on a date a couple weeks ago and I said, Hey, if I could, like, if I could grow in one area this year, what, what would you like to see me grow in? And then she started singing that song that goes, I want you to be happier. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so I'm like, Oh, she wants me to be happier. And that it's like, Oh, well, I'd, there's a part of my personality, like I'm, I'm very driven, but also I'm a sanguine. So I like to, you know, I naturally like to have fun, but as responsibilities increase over the course of my life, that part of me has diminished. Yeah. And she's like, that's, I mean, that's the part of you I fell in love with. I, I, I want to see that part of you back. That sounds like that's a podcast right there. How to still have fun and joy and greater responsibility. Well, maybe you should teach that one. <laughs> <laughs> we can talk, we can do group therapy together. Yeah. Um, let me give you a couple questions that uh, are really helpful. Um, how am I doing in my relationship with you? What's one thing I could do better? Um, I, I like to ask this to my kids. What's one thing that you would like my help with? Mm. Um, what's one thing you would enjoy doing together? What's uh, What do you wish that I'd do more of? What do you wish that I'd do less of? You have to keep in mind with your kids, like more of could mean like, oh, I wish you'd let me play on my phone for 18 hours a day. I'm like, well, that's not happening. I wish you'd stop telling me to clean my room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you the, you have to filter the feedback, but um, that feedback is one of the fastest paths to change and transformation Yeah, to let people speak into helping so us grow. Did you have somebody tell you about asking these kinds of questions or um, is this something you kind of came up with? Because I don't know how many leaders are sitting down and actually asking their spouse this yeah. or asking their kids this, these kinds of questions. Yes. This is this is a whole nother conversation about questions, isn't it? Like to, this could be another podcast on asking questions and how to ask good questions. But uh, I think at home, this is what's unique is yeah. how many great leaders and parents are taking the time to stop and ask their kid yeah five years old 10 years old 15 whatever and their spouse on a date like you're mo- you're modeling some of this right here yeah but, uh, for me if i'm if i'm just like shooting from the hip it flows out of curiosity yeah so the for example which you're comfortable with if somebody goes yeah you suck at this i wish you would do this you're, yeah you're like oh great i'm glad i know yeah for a lot well, of people, I mean, that they may not like that. The, the way I think about it is like, so I was reading that the Intentional Father book. Yeah. Again, I highly, I'm not getting any royalties, okay, but I <laughs> highly recommend that book. Um, I was over the holidays, I, or maybe kind of towards the end of last year, I was reading that book and he kind of goes through the different types of dads. Mm-hmm. And so I just took the book down. I was reading it before dinner and I'm like, oh, I'm curious. I, I'd be curious to know well, my kids think about me. Do they? See, which of these do they see me? Hmm. So I just took the book down and I read the read the different categories and I was, just went around the table. What do you What do you think? 
And uh, I mean, they think they're thinking something and it doesn't help me if I don't know what they're thinking. It helps me if I know their perception of me. And that that's, that's a great thought right there. Yeah, I'd, like, r- I'd, r- I'd rather know the truth than be living in this false reality. Yeah. So no matter how much I convince myself that a false reality is real, <laughs> it's still <laughs> false. So it's like, I, there's just no value in living in deception. Yeah. You know? So, th- I mean, honestly, I think this is a great way as we're wrapping up this podcast too on these questions. This may be one of the best next steps for some yeah. of our listeners is if you are married or you got kids, um, sit down and ask some of these key questions. Yeah. And that's going to help shape your other habits that you're going to form or next steps. Yeah. The other, I, I would say the other really important thing, like from a heart level, is a lot of people don't, they don't strive to get better because they have the wrong goal in mind. And for me, the goal is to get better. Mm. Like the, the goal, the goal, there's not some perfect image of a dad or yeah. perfect image of a husband or leader that I'm, that I think I'm ever going to really attain. But I do genuinely at the core of who I am, believe I can get better. And I'll only know in the rear view mirror, like when I look, I can see a big difference between 40 and 30 and 40, and especially 40 and 20. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to guess that 60 to 40 or 70 to 40 is going to be the same thing. And I get, I get really motivated by the fact that I can, I can become a better man over the coming decades. Mm. I can be kinder. I can be more loving. I can be more intentional. And how, if that's my goal, then all those other things are not barriers or knocks against me. They're, they're fuel to help me reach what mm-hmm. I, what I want to reach. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I think there's probably a lot of leaders who, especially after these past couple of years, we've been talking about that, have coming out and they're just questioning different things. But if you hear anything, you need to know that you can get better. Yep. Yeah. You can be the husband, the dad, the parent, like you can be that person. Like you can be better in these areas, the better yeah. spouse, everything like, like don't quit. Yep. Don't give up an inch. And I think the danger with this conversation is twofold. There's, there's one side of it that we can, we can beat ourselves up over what we've, what has happened in the past. We can beat Mm -hmm. ourselves up over our current failures. And that is not at all the goal of this conversation to, to beat anybody up. Yeah. And the, the other danger is to minimize it Mm. and to say, oh, well, that's, that's just for a pastor. Oh, that's just for a Christian. Oh, that's just rather than like really saying, what do you want? Yeah. Like, what do you want to have said about you at the end of your life? Yeah. And for me personally, as a follower of Jesus, like when I stand before God and give an account for my life, what, what will be said about my life? And God will hold me accountable for the most important aspects of my life. Mm-hmm. I can't control what my kids do. There are a lot of great parents. Their kids go off the rails. And I I don't live with the presumption that at the end of the this whole journey that my kids are going to be perfect or I'll be able to dictate that. But I don't want to get down the road and think, oh, I didn't I didn't do what I could do. I wasn't faithful 
with this very, very important part of my life. That's a great wrap up to this, man. And we're going to be faithful and we're going to get better because that's what we do. That's right. Especially as leaders right here at the Echo Leadership Podcast. So anything else before we wrap up? No, let's do it. All right. Hey, y'all, thanks so much for joining us today for this episode. Listen, we believe in you. We are hoping that this helps encourage you to go back and win at home. And we look forward to seeing you on future releases every month. And don't forget to come join us for the Echo Leadership Conference, May 19th, 2022. Go to echoleadership.org to get your tickets today. Use the promo code ELP10 to get $10 off your ticket price. We'll see you all in the future.